the greatest thing I've ever experienced was coming to know my creator, my friend, the lover of my soul. And I've been to Calvary too. And I want to say that's the, the best. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to know the Lord. I'm so grateful to be able to have walked with him and, and him showing his love toward us and towards me, not just in what he's done on Calvary, but every day, every day in our relationship. What a wonderful thing it is to know him. <clears throat> if you don't, you need to get to know him. You need to be introduced to this, my Savior, this wonderful, wonderful Savior. Thank you, uh, folks, for the music this morning. It's been wonderful. I just, I love, I love the music here. I just love it. It's just been tremendous. Before we get into uh, Scripture in Genesis chapter number 18, I wanted to fill you in on uh, what has taken place. We've asked prayer for <clears throat> uh, these requests here just recently. Um, <clears throat> Charles Wilder went home to be with the Lord, I think it was this morning, was that last night? Um, and, uh, and so you be praying for Jacinta <clears throat> as she's dealing with that right now. Um, uh, arrangements for uh, memorial service and that. And when we hear the, the details of that, of course, I'll pass that on to you. And then you can um, be a blessing. I, I pray that you would <clears throat> uphold Jacinta in prayer and the family. And that you would uh, uh, just uh, extend yourself to be a blessing uh, to her. I'm sure <clears throat> a loving church family at this point would be a, a, a great blessing, benefit. Uh, also, if you're praying for Brother Dave Mayfield's dad, who's back in Colorado. And, and uh, the last I heard, it was kind of touch and go. And he's still dealing with uh, the, the uh, closure of his life. And so... Uh, it's a difficult time, very, very difficult time. So you'd be praying for, uh, for that family and uh, him also, and uh, uplift others as you would. As you would. This last week, we had a, a couple of people, members of this church, in hospitals because of emergency situations. For Larry with the gallstones or kidney stones, whatever that was, and. He's here, and he's, he looks like he's doing good, but don't shake his hand too hard. <laughs> and uh, the week before that, Brother Mike, you know, and then uh, Rebecca Graves, and, and it just seems like it comes in waves. So uh, anybody else wants to do the stone thing, see me afterwards. We've got some slots for you to fill. So, uh, but uh, the, uh, there's difficulties that you go through. You really do appreciate a, a praying church. Uh, uh, folks that are truly concerned about you and they want to help, they want to be a blessing to you in any way. And, and so let's, let's do that. Let's, let's fulfill that, that role of being a blessing to each other. Genesis chapter number 18. <clears throat> Message this morning is entitled Unsalty Salt. <laughs> and uh, we're going to look at that when we deal with Jesus' words, but we'll begin in Genesis chapter number 18, verse number 23. The Bible says, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, let me fill you in on the background here. God, through this manifestation, has, has uh, uh, approached Abraham called the friend of God, and he let Abraham know 
what was taking place, what he was about to do. He was about to um, let the hammer fall. He was about to unleash, un unleash judgment upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Abraham's uh, nephew, Lot, and his family lived there in that city, in Sodom. And so God came by, and among other things, he told Abraham what was going on and that how Sodom and Gomorrah would be destroyed. And so here's the situation where Abraham jumps in there and he's asking for, he, he's interceding for those who live in Sodom and uh, for, he's thinking of his nephew and, and uh, his family, Lot's family. And he asks the question, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And of course, God doesn't do that. He's very uh, precise. He's very surgical in his uh, judgments where uh, everybody is, is uh, met out the, uh, the judgment that God has, has uh, prescribed. And so, uh, as he asks the question, wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? He goes on to say in verse 24, Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? He says, God, I understand that the, the situation of their wickedness and their rebellion has grown to the place where it seems as though everybody's, uh, everybody's in rebellion. But if there's 50 people that are in that city that follow you or obey you or feel, fear you, if there's 50 people that are following godliness or righteousness, are you going to destroy? Will you, will you not spare the cities of Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 50 that live there? Verse 25. He goes on to put words in the Lord's mouth that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. And then he says these words that we've quoted many times. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God does right. He does righteously. He does justly. He meets out a, a just uh, um, uh, relationship to his creation. And so he's, he's uh, bargaining, if you will, with God. He's, he's asking God to spare the city if Lot went there and he did his job, which was being a believer in a place where there was wickedness all around him, to... Bring others to know the Lord. Bring others. He, if, he, if he saw one, one if he uh, did, did his job of trying to outreach and trying to show the love of God and, and God's goodness to others through his life and through his words. And if he did what he was supposed to do, he would have been uh, an impact in that community. So let's remember that because we're going to get back to that and, and continue with that story and kind of fill you in on the blanks there. But uh, I'd like for you to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. Jesus told his followers in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath, hath, have lost his savor, or flavor, if you know we use salt to flavor foods and to make things that are bland to taste good and whatever, if... If you're using salt, if you take a, a salt that is in a salt shaker, you put it on your food, and it doesn't taste, it doesn't change the taste at all, wherewith shall it be salted? He says, hey, it's, 
It's not doing its job. That's what salt does. That's why we use salt to savor meats or, or uh, foods to make, to enhance the flavor of it. So you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt, Jesus said, hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then he says, he's speaking to, to believers. He's saying, you are, you are salt and you are light, but they're, they're not actually salt and light. Those are, are uh, attributes of what they should be doing or saying or being. Characteristics of their being. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you help us as we look into it, that you would give us uh, a bead on the teaching of Jesus here and then also the application as in the uh, life of Lot in the city of Sodom. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be salty salt, to be the salt that does its job. Lord, help us to, to take the warning not to become unsalty salt. Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless in everything that's said here this morning. We ask that you would deal with those that are, that are here that know you. And then, Lord, for those that are here that don't know you, I pray that you'd help them to understand what they need to do and, and the steps that they need to take to become introduced to you. Lord, I pray that they would know you just like I have come to know you so many years ago. Lord, I pray that you just bless. Bring each one of us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the two things in the Matthew passage that Jesus refers to are salt and light. Now, looking at salt alone can be puzzling to try to figure out what is Jesus saying. Now, he could have been referring to the property of salt that preserves and I've heard this taught and preached and, and the, the examples used that uh, in times past when refrigeration wasn't as, as uh, accessible as it is today, uh, like in the West, they would salt their meats, salt certain foods and would kind of preserve the food for a long time where it wouldn't go bad. And so uh, salt has that, that uh, characteristic of preservation like they used to do with the meat when refrigeration was not an option. Or it could be referring to the property of salt's sterilization, as when an enemy would salt their opponent's farm to prevent the growing of crops in their fields, and salt would kind of sterilize the, 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 uh, the ground. Some note salt's ability to drive one's thirst up. When you, when you uh, intake salt... And you become thirsty, uh, and salt some, somehow seems to retain water. I remember working in a corrugating factory where it was uh, in, in the uh, uh, area in Missouri. It was hot. It was just extremely, miserably hot outside, but in the, in the, the factory where they had giant uh, heated corrugators that were gluing... Uh, cardboard together, making, you know, cardboard with a squiggly inside and, you know, two, two straight pieces of cardboard. It was hot. I mean, really, I mean, in that building, it was 
it was 10 degrees hotter than it was outside. And if outside it was 103, it was unbelievably hot inside. And they would have uh, dispensers on the sides of the walls with salt pills, big salt pills that you could take. And uh, it was supposed, so I understand, it was supposed to help the, the worker to swallow those pills and then you'd be able to retain some water because you'd sweat out so much and you just sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat where you'd get dehydrated and then faint or, you know, uh, it wouldn't be good. And so the salt kind of helped retain some of that water. So uh, when, you, when you take salt or when you eat salt, it, it actually uh, uh, drives a, a person's or an animal's thirst. So if salt's ability was to drive one's thirst up, then thus the believer should live in such a way that others around him would become thirsty, maybe for the water of life or for what God has for them. So salt with these different properties, it could, he could be meaning this or that. Or Jesus could have simply referred to the property that salt gives to food, making it tasty. You put salt on things and it, and it makes it good. It makes it taste good. I'm supposed to be on this diet. Let's not talk about the diet that I'm supposed to be on because I, I would like to never hear about that in my, the rest of my life. But I'm not supposed to have a lot of salt and, you know, that kind of... So I, I'm not supposed to have potato chips and corn chips and, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, tortilla chips, which I love, you know. And so, therefore, whenever my wife and I go to a restaurant or somebody else is there, I'm just eating all the corn chips, the tortilla chips I possibly can because she's not going to really say much about it then at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my, that's my, uh, you know, the way I roll here. Anyway, uh, uh, so anyway, salt m- makes food tasty. And that's what it does for food. That's the purpose. Of, that's why it's on our tables. So, uh, or in, in the kitchen where cooks cook food because it makes things tasty. So if it were to lose the property for which it was used, if it, no longer made steak or foods or whatever uh, tasty. It, it, if it didn't have its saltiness, as Jesus said, uh, if the salt has lost its savor, then it's worthless. If, if it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. It can be pretty um, elusive to try to figure out what Jesus was referring to when he referred to the example of salt. It could mean this, it could mean that. If you don't couple both salt and light together, because they're one and the same in the passage. And so using this passage, we can kind of gather what Jesus was talking about. Since he uses salt and light together, believers are to emanate the truth of God. Believers are to affect those around them by showing, by displaying, by showcasing the love of God. We just sang about the love of God just a little bit ago. And yes, the love of God is, is rich and pure and, and uh, it's strong and it's amazing. Thank the Lord for that. But the believer is to emanate that truth of the love of God or the influence of God to their surroundings. Both a dark place is impacted by a single candle, like a small amount of, of salt, changes the taste and the experience of the whole meal, enhancing the flavor. Both things greatly impact the environment in which it was placed, whether salt in the food or light in a dark room or a dark place. It affects that which is around it. 
Now, Jesus makes the application that we are to impact the world around us like salt affects the food it touches or like a candle lights up its surroundings. We're to shine. We're to affect those around us, to change, to influence, to impact our world where we are placed. We don't need an army or a huge force or a majority. No, no, it takes a believer equipped with the truth and the Holy Spirit's power to impact those around him. And that's it. So you're to be salt and you're to be light. Be that influence for God. Shine. Impact. Change your world. Influence those around you. Wherever you're placed, that's where God wants you and he puts you in a place that's maybe bland unsalty, and you're the salt. Put you in a place that's dark, and there's, there's no truth around, there's, there's no hope around, but you have hope because you're that candle in that dark place. So influence the world around you. We're designed to be the tool of God reaching others in darkness, as the Bible says in other places like Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, that, it may, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's where we live, in, in, a, in a place of darkness, a place that's, that's wicked and perverse. We're in the midst of a perverse, a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Wherever we go, no matter where we are, no matter what the situation is, we're placed in a situation where you are the salt and you are the light. You are the one that God wants to influence those around you in your world, in your area. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a wonderful thing it is to know the Savior. I'm talking about my relationship with the Savior and how I've known him over these years. And you know, you might be thinking, what is he talking about? I know about Jesus and I know some things of religion, but what is he talking about? Like the the song that they just sang, shouldn't have joy. Where is that joy coming from? It's from the Lord. And see, we are supposed to showcase that. We're supposed to to shine out in this dark place his marvelous light. We're to be effective to influence our surroundings. But what happens when we're no longer fulfilling that intended purpose? What happens when we're not salty anymore? We will have lost the reason for our existence. Folks, we become worthless. That's what Jesus says. We're, we're good for nothing, we're worthless. What good of you? Uh, are, what good uh, are you if you're not that factor of change and influence to the world around you? You've lost your value to the Lord. You're no longer effective or useful. Believers can become ineffective. Saved people can become worthless, ignored by the world around us, and such is the case of Lot in our text. You remember that story that we chose to illustrate what Jesus is talking about here? We picked up the conversation Abraham was having with God in Genesis chapter number 18. God was kind enough to share with uh, Abraham the pending judgment upon Sodom. 
where, again, like I say, his nephew Lot and his family lived. Thinking quickly in the conversation, Abraham used the divine attributes of God's kindness, his fairness, his precision justice to try to save Lot. Those verses that we read in Genesis 18, verse 23, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He's saying, God, you're not like that. You don't do that. And so he's using God's justice. And he's using God's heart. He's using God's precision to, uh, in, this, in this negotiation, he wants to save Lot, save those in that city. And so Abraham starts with this, uh, this bargaining from 50, and he works down from there. He says, God, if there's 50 people in the city that are following you, I mean, there's enough to stave off the judgment. You can't destroy the city and then have those who are who you love and who are working for you, who are godly, to be destroyed also. God, you can't do that. And he says, okay, you're right. If there's 50 people there. If Lot came in there and he's, he's been effective and he's, he's worked as an agency of change, he's worked to show out God's marvelous light, he's worked to be salt in that place that was no salt. <coughs> okay, if... If he's influenced 50 people, and then he goes down from that. And you could read the, the text later, but he goes down from 50 to 45. He says, Lord, let me, let me ask you, if there's just 45 then, if there's 45 people that are righteous people in that city. Now, we know Lot is a righteous person and was a believer because the, the Bible in the New Testament very clearly says uh, Lot had a righteous soul. He vexed his righteous, so he was righteous. He, he was a believer in the Lord. And he was in this place that was dark. He was in this place that was wicked. Hey, sound familiar? Have you, have you opened your eyes at work, at school, uh, around family uh, uh, gatherings, uh, around the, the people down your block, friends? I mean, he was in that place to where he, he was in darkness and he was the only light, he was the only salt, the only agency for change. He could affect, he could, he could shine out, he could, he could uh, do something to those around him. And so Abraham says, if there's 45, and God says, okay, if there's 45, I won't destroy it. He goes down to 40. And it's interesting to hear him bargain with the Lord here. He says, Lord, okay, wait a minute. Let's go a little bit further. If there's just 40 people, if there's 40 people that live in this city, 30 people, he goes down to 20 people and finally begs for a stay of judgment if there were just 10 righteous folks in Sodom. Just 10 people. He goes down to 10 people and God says, okay, for 10 people. That's it. If there's 10 people in Sodom that are following me, that are, have been affected by the light that Lot has, has shown to them. Now, anyone would have figured that if a believer lived in a community for 20 years, which is the time that he went there from Genesis chapter 13 to Genesis, Genesis chapter 18, 20 years, he lived there for 20 years, 
For 20 years, what do you think Lot could have done if he were the salt and the light of that community? If he were the agency for change? What do you think God expected of Lot in that area, in that situation? Well, surely there would have been ten, at least 10 people that were, would have been walking in, in the light of the Lord by that time because of Lot's influence. Then they would have been somewhat of an influence to those around them for 20 years. Come on, 20 years in one place. After 20 years, surely Lot would have been the salt and light in the place to affect just 10 people to follow the God that he knew. You remember he had at least four daughters, a wife, and two sons-in-laws. That's already eight people among his own family that Lot surely could, could have and should have had an influence over. Eight people in his own family. <clears throat> but no, he didn't have the effectiveness to even influence his own family members. How lame is that? I call that lame I don't know what, what language that is, but it fits right here. That's lame How lame is that, that he, could, that he could not be an influence even to his own family plus a couple? He lost his wife. You remember that whole situation? Matter of fact, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. When he was given instruction, the, the city was going to be destroyed by fire. You, you need to run. Get away from here quickly. Don't look back. Don't tarry. Don't look back. And as he was trying to uh, uh, get his, his family out of Sodom, his wife, hearing the destruction and everything that she owned, everything that she had. Wasn't there a song this morning talking about an idol? And it was that which you can't stop thinking of. That's an idol. What you love as an idol. You know what Mrs. Lot loved? You know what she worshipped? You know what the most important thing in her life was? Everything that she had, her house, her, her things, her furniture, her patio, whatever it was. And as, the, as the, 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 the fires of judgment began to fall on Sodom, it was just too much for her. And she turned back. And the Bible says that she turned into a pillar of salt, that she was en engulfed in that, in that uh, judgment. Lot wasn't able, even able to influence his own wife to heed the Lord, to pay attention to the Lord, to love the Lord more than the things of the world. Lost his wife who had her heart wrapped in Sodom. His single daughters were more influenced by the filthy and the immoral surroundings. <coughs> and it's almost, you almost can't even deal with this in a mixed crowd of, of, of what had taken place with his daughters later on and, and the, the, the wicked influences that, that they had in their life. Gone affected by the, the wickedness of the society around them. His sons-in-laws thought that he was joking when he had time uh, that the angel gave him to, to go get his family. You got anybody in the town? <coughs> get him out of here because there's, there's a, a fire, a judgment. God's wrath is going to fall. And so he went, the Bible says, Genesis nineteen fourteen, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked. 
unto his sons-in-laws. They never heard Lot not one time ever talk about God and God's righteous judgment, his justice. It was, it was foreign to their ears to hear this come out of Lot's lips. No, no, when the, the, the filthy stories were going around, that's when you know, Lot would join in and, and they were used to Lot and, uh, living just like the, the, the surrounding wickedness around him. They never heard Lot give a, a Sunday school lesson or a, 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 some kind of a, 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 a warning about God and, and our accountability to him. No, no, it's, it sounded like he was joking, like he was making fun. I remember not too long ago when a man uh, got saved here and, the, and these uh, services, well, actually, it was right after the service, he got saved uh, in this little room that, back here. Somebody had led him to, to Christ. Um, I went to go uh, speak to his family that, was, uh, that uh, they lived nearby. He was kind of estranged from them. And when I went to go talk to the family saying, hey, listen, there's a chance that you know, there's, this family can be put back together again. And, uh, and they inquired, why? What are you talking about? And I said, well, because so-and-so got saved. He accepted Jesus as a Savior. And I remember the adult kids at the time laughing about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Dad got religion. And that's what happened here. It's the first time they'd ever heard. Here's Lot to try to, to, try to rescue his sons-in-laws to say, Come on, get out of here. God's judgment's going to fall. And, it, and it, it sounded like a big joke. <laughs> That's a good one, Dad. Right. You know why? Because the salt lost its savor. Because the light was not, not bright in that place. Because the, cause where, where God placed him, Lot did not do his job, and he was not the salt, he was not the light in the community that God gave him to be, to be that witness, to be that influence, to be that agent of change. No, no, he was not. Nobody else found the God that Lot knew. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says that God delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And folks, we, we coined the word, the, the term sodomy from the, the practices of this, this land and what they did, the homosexuality and the sodomy that was prevalent and it was wicked and it was vile and and you know what? Lot didn't agree with that. He, he, he was different. I mean, he had a soul where, where you know, he, he uh, believed God. It was, the Bible says he was righteous. He had a righteous soul. And there was filthy things going on all around him from day to day. But he never, he never got it. He never changed anything. He never was an influence. He never countered anything that was around him. Kind of like uh, society in which we live, huh? Let me ask you something. If I was to ask your coworkers about you, do they know you're a believer even? Do they know that, that, that you fear God? Have you been salt and light or have you been kind of like Lot, lost and savor? <clears throat> Lot was a believer that lost his influence. He was unsalty salt. 
He was a dark candle. He was useless for the Lord for eternity. Worthless. God could not use, God wanted to, but God could not use him. It was good for nothing. Jesus warned believers, do not lose your savor or the, 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 the attribute that God has, has given you. Don't lose your effectiveness. Don't lose your impact to be placed in a place where God wants to use you. And that's why, why we have Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Thenceforth good for nothing. Three things about salt and light. Salt and light is, number one, <clears throat> in both of these, these examples, when Jesus uses salt and light, in, you know, when he's talking about believers and the impact around their, their uh, society and their, their world that they, they uh, are in, Salt and light is, number one, is different than their surroundings. Salt has a flavor that affects its surrounding, the plate, the food which it's placed in. Uh, it's different, and that's, that's the good thing about it, of salt. It's different. A candle is, is quite contrasting to a dark place. A city that's set on the hill or a candle is is contrasting to the darkness. It shines out. It seems as though the world's evangelism, what they tell you, believers, is you're supposed to mimic the lost. That's what they say. You're supposed to be just like the world around you. You're supposed to look like them. You're supposed to dress like them. You're supposed to have the language that they have. You're supposed to uh, uh, like the same things, the music, the entertainment, everything that the world is. No matter what the world is around you, what, they, what they're telling you, false prophets, are telling you is you're supposed to be like the world. You're supposed to mimic the world. You're supposed to be like. You're supposed to mirror the lost. But you know what Lot's problem is? He blended in with his surroundings. Nobody even knew that he was a believer. He blended in. Good job, Lot. Good job. You know what? He'd be, he'd be lauded. He'd be uplifted today in our society, our Christian society, to, man, how effective he is to try to be, you know, what the world is. And he gets in there, doesn't he? Gets in there for, for what? He lost his savor. He's not contrasted. He, he, he doesn't present. He doesn't present a contrast. He doesn't present. He, he blends in. Folks, that's not what the idea is here. When Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, both of those things are very different than their surroundings. It's not our job to blend in, <laughs> you know? And, you know, if I could blend in, I'd like that. But, you know, when it comes to righteousness and, you know, and uh, opinions of what's going on or whatever, and something's out there, I, I want to I stand for the Lord. I want to speak for him. And you know what? If you're going to be righteous, if you're going to be honest and godly in this world in which we live and in the darkness around us, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, <laughs> you know? You don't have to look weird just to, because you want to look weird. You know, that's not the idea. But you will be different. You'll be very different, very different than a wicked world. Lot would have been very different. Are you kidding me? Before the, the, uh, uh, the angels visited Lot and, and uh, this... this uh, uh, 
confrontation that you see in Genesis chapter 19 or wherever that was, where, uh, where they came. Before that time, Lot was just like everybody else. They said, wait a minute, who are you? Are you going to try to be a judge telling us that these are God's emissaries and uh, we can't abuse them like we do you know, others? And, and uh, what, what are you talking about? Who are you? Are, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, you've been just like us. Wait a minute, the, all the things that, that we've been uh, uh, into, you, we've never heard you say anything. You know why? Because he blended in. He, he mirrored the surroundings that he was in. But salt and light is different than their surroundings. Number two, salt and light changes their surroundings. <clears throat> That's what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. Jesus said, that candle giveth light unto all that are in the house. You see, it, a candle is, is that which, which is, is contrasted to light. Now, if I, if I was to light a candle and have it right here in my hand, uh, with these lights here and the lights uh, of, the, of the, the daylight outside, you, you wouldn't see much. But if this were to be black midnight, no electricity, power outage, and you don't have even uh, uh, street lights, and the moon or, or, or stars are, are covered with clouds at night, and then I had a candle here, goodness. It's, it changes the surroundings. When it's darkness, you can't see anything. When you got a little bit of light in a dark place, then at least you can see. Then all of a sudden it changes everything. I hate, I, I just hate stubbing my toe or running into something or falling down the stairs or whatever in darkness. The very first thing I had ever, I ever remember in my life, you know, uh, you think back to when you were very small, think about that. What do you, what's the first thing you remember? <clears throat> I don't remember being in the womb, okay? Now that's going way too far. But I, the first thing I remember is I remember I was about five or six years old and I was in my aunt's house. The kids uh, played, and it was a farmhouse. We lived in the city. We went out to Atzababadad's house. Atza means aunt, Aunt Barbara's house. Went to Atzababadad's house, and we, and we played with the cats and the dogs outside and the goats and whatever they had and, and, and got real tired. And, and, you know, when mom and dad's supposed to come on home and, and uh, you know, they talk and talk and talk, and so you lay on the couch, and then you go to sleep, and, then, and so I went to sleep. Well, my dad, for some reason, that night, decided, it was such a, a grand fellowship, he stayed overnight, and so we were just going to sleep there. So, six kids, and they put us everywhere, one over here, one over here, one, and I didn't know. I was already sleeping. I, you know, I got up, I don't know, one, two in the morning. I don't know what it was, but I remember getting up, and not knowing where I was in a strange place, in an awful, and, and, and I, I didn't know if I was alone. I didn't know if, if I was, I, I had no idea. I had no idea where I was, wh what was going on. I was so disoriented and looking around and, whoa, where am I? And I just started walking and there was a, a sunken living room that I didn't, I didn't have any clue. And I walked off the steps into the sunken living room I thought I was falling into the, to the eternal uh, uh, hell hole. You know, I, I was so frightened, I, you know, because I couldn't see anything. 
And as soon as they, ah, you know, I turn on the light, whoa, Ricky, Ricky, what's wrong with you? And, ah. <laughs> light fixed it, you know, I was able to see, you know, oh, nothing to worry about. <laughs> but man, my imagination, but I remember, that's, tra- that's traumatizing, you know, that's why I remember that. And I remember that, and I had to go back and ask my parents, when was that? And, okay, that was in 19, okay, okay, right, that's just, okay. <clears throat> but you know, uh, um, what does that have to do with anything? Who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah. Light. Light changes that. If, if I would have had light, it would change. I hate stubbing my toes in, in the night. My wife, bless her heart, she cleans and she does everything. And she, every once in a while, puts the, the laundry of, of folded underpants and stuff. She folds my, my underwear. And I, I don't know why you would fold under, but in, in a basket, you know, in front of my bed. And, and sometimes I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about this. I'm just going to go uh, to the bathroom, whatever. And don't realize there's something right there and, you know, run into it and then, you know, have terrible thoughts of uh, loved ones. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. But you know what, you know what would help? Just a little nightlight. You know, we finally figured to do that. Now we got an old person's nightlight there. So, hey, man, it works. <laughs> Light changes things. Salt does too. It changes, it changes surroundings. So, as Jesus said, light giveth light unto all that are in the house. It changes the surroundings. Uh, uh, salt flavors the food it's among. What we're supposed to do, folks, is be that influence to others, to your family, to your church, to your community. How how about this? How about this? Vote. You know what? Just saying that one word, I'm going to get criticism from some of you that was, well, politics, oh, politics, politics. Hey, listen, you live in this country. You are supposed to use your influence for good, for God, for biblical things. Don't just vote, but vote biblically, okay? Vote biblical values. Oh, man, I'm I'm telling you, it seems like our country, and I was just dealing with this in Sunday school, our country seems to be going uh, off in either this direction or that direction, and there are two trajectories that are very different. Those that that are holding to a socialism. Can you believe that? Socialism. I remember when Bernie Sanders, you know, ran for president. Uh, a couple years back, I thought, a socialist? Uh, n- not a, not a uh, an ashamed socialist. Proud, this is what he ran on. He was a socialist. I thought, this guy's not even going to get anything. If Hillary hadn't, you know, uh, you know, done him dirty there, he might have been, who knows? But nonetheless, I was amazed that this country, so many people voted for socialism. Socialism, are you serious? Folks, we are... Uh, far gone from where this country used to be. And I'm not talking about, it's not just politics. If you really want to understand a little bit about socialism and capitalism, then uh, get the Sunday school outline, okay? So anyway, uh, I've got to go on. I'm going to skip a bunch of things because I preached too long. So anyway. Um, Okay, well, just, you know, talking about voting or politics or whatever, um, believe you me, politics is not going to save this land, okay? That's what we have to, that's what we have to to understand. You know, by the way, those of you that have been in hospitals this last week, aren't you grateful? 
Aren't you grateful for the, for the medical technology that we have? Aren't you grateful that we live in such a time where 100 years ago, you might have been dead from something that you experienced this week, but you know what? God saved you and he used technology. I'm so grateful for that, but you know what? It's not medical advances that we trust in. You don't trust in your doctors. Like the king who trusted in doctors rather than God, and God just said, no, that's not it, done, you know. Hey, listen, what we have is we have life from God. We have health from God. And you know what? This nation is not blessed because we're so smart or we've got some great formulas. Or for, No, no, we're blessed by God. Let's, let's not forget that. Politics is not going to save this land. Yes, we should be the influence in every part of our society, but only a spiritual revival will affect our family, our church, our community for eternity. Salt and light allows us to change our surrounding, and Lot did not change his. And then lastly, salt and light enhances their surroundings. And that's what it does. It's the savor, the, the savor, the flavor of salt that changed things. It enhanced the food. It made it taste better. It makes food taste better. The flavor of the attitude that you have, your attitude of life, a worldview that is fundamentally different than the world around you. If our faith doesn't enhance the world, then we're unsalty salt. You know, we're not doing our job. <clears throat> we're useless. See, because salt enhances its surroundings as light does. Aren't you glad? You know, on, a, on a, a fall day like this, I mean, just going, some of the neighborhoods, they have some deciduous trees, not evergreens, but leaves that turn yellow or, or orange or whatever, purple before they fall. Uh, I mean, it's just beautiful. Some, some uh, landscaped areas around here with different colored trees. You go through the, especially when the sun's out. Oh, man, the sun is shining uh, uh, hard on these trees, and it's just so beautiful. I mean, it's so different than when it's rainy or overcast and you don't see the sun. When the sun hits it, it's it just enhances the color, doesn't it? It enhances it. And that's what salt and light does. Both salt and light enhances their surrounding. But if you lose the saltiness, if you lose the brightness, you're useless. God wants to affect our surroundings for good. Lot didn't enhance anything for God. Sodom wasn't benefited at all by Lot uh, being there, living in that place. When he could have... He could have applied biblical principles. He could have showed the light of God. He could have done and actually helped those, that place with, in, in many, many ways. But you know what? He lost his saltiness. See, the thing about it is, unsalty salt is the same as its surroundings. Unsalty salt becomes like its surroundings. Unsalty salt cheapens its surroundings, doesn't enhance its surroundings. Don't lose your saltiness. Believer, that's what Jesus is saying. You're to be salt. You're to be light. We are to be different. We're to change. We're to enhance our surroundings. Let me ask you something. Are there friends, are there family or coworkers, loved ones that are affected by your influence? They have moved to God. They're closer to God because you or no? How long have you known the Lord? 
Okay, let's, you know, let's not talk about Lot. 20 years in one place, and he didn't move the, 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 the temperature around him at all. He just blended in. What about your friends? What about your family? What about people around you? Have you, have you been able to change, to enhance? Have you been able to contrast that which is around? Have you played salt? Salty salt? Bright light? Have you done what Jesus has commanded us to do here and say, hey, be careful that you don't lose your, your savor. Don't lose your saltiness. Sometimes sin takes the spiritual edge off of what you can be. And you become ineffective. Shame. Some, sometimes we sport an attitude that, that diminishes our light, our saltiness. And you know what? It's, it's rotten before God, and others see that, and they know that, and it's, it, it, it ruins our effectiveness. Is, is that true? Sometimes we fear to follow God or obey God, or we rebel, or sometimes we ignore what God says, and Jesus says, be careful. What, is it, what does he say there? You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? And it's thenceforth good for nothing. Believer, have, have you been the salt and the light that God intends for you to be? Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.